welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek. And I'm Quinn. And the Broncos have a new quarterback that just kind of came out of nowhere um, on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday indeed. I yes. remember because I was having a terrible day um, at one of my schools and my phone kept blowing up. I was like, oh my God, I don't want any more bad news. And then it was amazing news. Well, and it was so weird because the Aaron Rodgers thing was finally official. Like, it had been building steam that he was going to go back to Green Bay. So that gets announced, and I'm just like, ugh, okay, fine. And then I went to take a shower, and I just saw it on the top of ESPN. And I was like, oh, man. And so I started texting people, and then I thought back to, like, a year plus ago when I texted everyone and said Rodgers was coming to Denver on draft night and I was like oh no did I do this again I probably should have verified this uh, but I was right this time so I felt much better about it yeah totally well and I like counting back to what my bad day was like mm-hmm. the Rogers news was well if we refer back to last episode and just how absolutely apathetic I was towards the Broncos in general and unexcited I was for Rogers um that was actually good news for me because I was like, all right, let it be done. It gets rid of any hope that I have to feel about this thing <laughs> I feel very ambivalent about. And then, boom, yeah, an hour later, <laughs> Russell Wilson comes to the wire for real this time. And, I mean, this is like the dead zone of the NFL season. It's still, like, really hard to contemplate. Oh, yeah, this season is going to start with, like, not the dumb idiot hope that we've had in the past six seasons there's like actually tangible things to look at like oh snap we might be good yeah it's such a different i mean after the last six years it's just the thought that they're probably a playoff team and maybe better than that like just as a it's a completely different conversation we don't have vic fangio or um vance joseph hopefully this new guy knows how to use his timeouts. Like he's an offensive coach. So that usually means that you do, but I guess we don't know, but it's like the conversations we've been having. And then the icing on the cake, of course, was Drew Locke's going with him because you just didn't want Drew Locke sitting around. If something happens to Russell Wilson, I don't want to see Drew Locke go back in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Drew Locke were to stay on the team and his voice gets mentioned, his name gets mentioned at all, it means that something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> and then I'd be back to like the regular apathetic, like the comfortable Broncos fandom that I've grown used to. But yeah, it's uh, such a clean slate. I mean, I think an amazing haul. Of course, I sad to miss draft picks just because like the draft is the one exciting thing for the NFL season before it starts. But um yeah, what, two first-round picks, Drew Locke and Noah Fant for Russell Wilson. We're able to keep all of our receivers and Javante Williams. I'm not sure if Melvin Gordon is going to re-sign or not. Probably not. I've heard but that the team just looks – Yeah, I've heard maybe he will now that uh, Wilson's going to be there. Um, he might be more interested yeah, in re-signing. Um, and they lost Shelby Harris, but Shelby Harris may have been gone. Oh, right. Either way, because, um, you know, he was an older veteran, just kind of hard to know how much he was going to really have left. Uh, and they, they lost a couple more picks, but still with that, like, it's like nothing compared to, like, being in the conversation again. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, definitely probably could have just <laughs> looked up the whole haul. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, well, like, a couple of second-round picks as well. But it's just – like, the draft has been such a hit and miss, um, especially because the Broncos just have been in that terrible um, – like, the terrible Goldilocks zone in terms of draft seating where – not good enough to get like the top, not bad enough to get top five picks, but certainly not good enough to go to the playoffs. This just changes the entire conversation and dynamic of like what our expectations get to be. And even if they start out bad, it's still like, oh, we just, we have to get used to each other. We just have like so many more better excuses for ourselves mm-hmm. and the expectations. Well, and I know there's some concern that you know, Russell Wilson's taken a couple of steps back, but I've also seen a lot in the last few days that really the offense in Seattle was never designed for Russell Wilson. Like it was still a Pete Carroll run first, play defense first. And then if we need Wilson to do well at the end of the game, uh, then he can come in and do that. And I'm, I really think that, you know, he'll be more motivated in this system. He's going to have good offensive weapons. They have the money to go fix the offensive line. So I guess it's possible that maybe he's not the quarterback we think he is, but I think that there are so many factors where it's just it, – it all seems positive. I'm not concerned about this being a huge failure no matter what happens. And he's still, you know, fairly young. It's not like Rodgers where it's one to two years. It's This could be a, you know, a five-year thing maybe uh, if he stays healthy and if they stay good. So it's just like not having to worry about this for a few years – the quarterback situation is just so much better. And if it goes well, this is the blueprint for the Broncos forever, which is when you have a quarterback that's unhappy, Denver's probably a good destination for him. Yeah. And that's, I mean, being from Denver, it's still, it was just weird that in the Rogers uh, drama, it was like San Francisco, New Orleans, maybe Denver. And I'm just thinking, like, if I'm an old quarterback, I don't want to come to Denver. Like, weather-wise, I guess with Rodgers, anything is better than Green Bay. But it's just always weird to hear Denver be a destination, even, like, for uh, Peyton Manning. Like, really? You want to come here? Okay, thanks. We will love you forever. Um, and, yeah, like, I'm – You're two nuggets like, jaded. Carol- like, that's that's the problem. Is the, you said what? You're two nuggets jaded. You think of free agency like an NBA fan, not a not a yeah. NFL fan. Yeah, it's it's still. I just have like little brother syndrome when it comes to Denver, uh, <laughs> in general. But yeah, it's hard to judge entirely like what Russ could look like because I think what he's 32 now. So yeah, on the other side of 30. Um, and he's just been with Pete Carroll his entire career. So, um, is it gonna is it gonna be more like Brady leaving Belichick, or is it going to reveal that yeah his success came from the team dynamic? But with I my mean, Hackett being an offensive coach, everyone's I think they're just gonna like try to have fun which is the (laughs) least in-depth analysis i can think of but there's yeah hell this is sports it is going to be fun it's going to be fun to see how they build their offense it's going to be fun to see if 
players like Judy will be able to take a step up for a while before that. And it's going to be interesting to see how Russell Wilson, who's like not a polarizing personality, but an interesting personality, how is he going to be a leader on this new team? Um, and these are all just like fun questions that we get to look at without having to like go into the season. Because the last three years, I was like kind of on Drew Locke's. I was in the Drew Locke camp for a while, hoping that, yeah, if everything goes right, we actually might make it to the playoffs. Now it feels like this team is built that everything doesn't have to go right, and it still will be pretty good. You talked about, you know, just like having an offense that, you know, is fun to watch. And that, that to me is the thing that's just so much different is that the games will be fun to watch again because they just haven't been for years. And, you know, Bridgewater had a couple of good games against some bad teams. Drew Locke had that one game two years ago or three years ago now. Like, it's just, you know, the the sad part about the Broncos offense was there was that game where they didn't have a quarterback. And it was really bad, but it wasn't so much worse than the other offensive games around it. Like you could say that one was by far away the worst game, offensive game, but it wasn't it wasn't so bad that it wasn't like, oh, I can't recognize this. It was like, oh, yeah, I know what this looks like. I've been watching this for years yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so bad that I like just turned it off because I was like, oh, there's no hope. Like, no, I've seen that before. And, um same frustrations of like why are these the play calls like with that the Kendall Hinton game I don't think they called like a screen pass until the third quarter <laughs> which just I no we're all Madden Hall of Fame coaches when we're watching but yeah it, the fact that that game did not break my spirit shows just like how <laughs> broken the spirit has been for so long like yeah I'm It'd be so amazing, like, on a third and four, feeling the confidence that they actually will be able to convert. Like, mm-hmm. dude, can you imagine that? <laughs> Having, like, solid third down offense? And maybe not running on the first two downs and then realizing that you got to try to make a play. Yeah. Uh, and I know Wilson's not as mobile of a quarterback anymore. Um, but, he, I mean, he still has that... Like the extent, the ability to extend the play, mm-hmm. which with receivers like and if Hamler comes back healthy, with dynamic receivers, they're just going to be able to like make plays happen so much more. Um, and yeah, even better than having great third down offense, it'd be amazing to have second down offenses convert, uh, converting on second down. Like we're, they're not going to be a world beating team, I don't think, but. Looking at where we have been, this is just an amazing like shot in the arm. Yeah, and you know we we'll, free agents are going to want to come here again. Like it just completely changes that. And you know instead of the Broncos reaching for at the ninth pick for a quarterback, uh, this this just feels like a better overall situation. So excited to actually talk for, about the Broncos. Maybe for the first time we've ever done a podcast. Where it's like, oh, <laughs> we have some interesting things to talk about here. Thinking about, yeah, starting the podcast, talking about the ownership situation. Um, the fact that we still don't have an owner, but now in the crazy world that is 2022, 
that Kanye West's name has popped up in that mix. I know, of course, it's a ridiculous meme, but just look how far we've come and look how crazy this league is. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Russell Wilson adds a lot of value to that price. Like, an owner should have bought the team before Russell Wilson because it's going to yeah. be a little a little pricier now. Um, I heard uh, Bill Simmons say yesterday he's he took the over on $5 billion for what this franchise is going to sell for um, in some odds betting. So it'll be interesting to see. I um, wanted to talk about a couple of performances from last weekend. Um, or I guess one from two weekends ago and then uh, one from last weekend and just talk for a minute about how great the CU win over Arizona was, especially as like a storytelling device. Um, so CU was able to knock off Arizona, the number two team in the country. Um, and that was last uh, two weekends ago in Boulder. The, and they won pretty handedly. Like they won 82-72. They controlled the pace uh, for most of the second half. Like, they were down going into halftime. They got great performances from a lot of people, but it was senior day. And it was senior day for Evan Batty, who is the combination of two things that college basketball fans love. He's a fan favorite because he's just, like, a great guy. But usually that role is reserved for a bench guy. And, like, at CU, it's obvious. It's usually, like, a sort of a sarcastic uh cheer for the white guys on the bench like that's usually who like the fan favorites were like ben mills who's a white guy that had absolutely no mass really fit into that category um and then you have like your really good players and evan batty isn't one of the best players to ever go through cu but he was uh a buff for four years like he was more of a josh scott mold where he we got to see him grow up he was a big man but he had the added um like prestige of having to co overcome a lot of adversity. Uh, his freshman year, he was suspended by the NCAA because he had bad grades as a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And Tad Boyle didn't understand why that was happening, the CU coach. And then he had a stroke while he was redshirting that year. And it looked like maybe he would never play basketball again. Uh, just a horrible situation that really turned into a you know just like a guy to root for and like evan batty has the best sportsmanship of anyone we've ever seen like as a buffalo like on the telecast i always call him the mayor of boulder which isn't true because spencer dinwiddie is the mayor of boulder but he's sort of like the mr buffalo like if you're going to say anyone just like embodies what it means to be the good part of a colorado buffalo like he just has that energy mm. um and so on senior night where they announce the players before the game they, you know, are going to win this game. Obviously, the students are going to rush the court. And Evan Batty, like, goes over to the student section. He's waving the fans onto the court, waving the students. There's, like, a 10-minute party that ensues. It's the most people I've ever seen on the court. And we've had quite a – CU always rushes the court. Like, if, if anyone's ranked or if anyone – if they feel slighted by anyone, CU fans love to rush the court. Um, and so it was, like, just a mosh pit. And then he gets to get up on the scorer's table and, like, deliver the senior speech. It was just amazing. Just wanted to document it and say that someday that needs to be a movie. It's a much better movie than Rudy because, like, he actually <laughs> played in the games and was really, like, the guy that they pretend like Rudy is in that movie. He was that and more right, yeah. for the Cardinal Buffaloes, and he said that hopefully someday he'll come back as the head coach of CU. Wow, that's mm. 
great heartwarming story. And I know in a season that might not have been the best for the Buffaloes because they're not going to make the tournament probably, um, to have, especially like CU as it's growing in its basketball program um, in the Pac-12, to have those figureheads is like why college basketball is such a, an amazing culture, really. Like, those things that transcend sport. Um, do you think that is going to get a fair shake at the in the NBA? He's probably not an NBA player. I'm hoping like maybe the Nuggets will. Uh throw him a bone and you know let him come to summer league or something he's probably a european player and i think he should definitely do that Mm. for a while um he is you know he's overshadowed because they do have a player that thinks that he might be able to go in the draft jabari walker who has been very good and has improved a lot as a sophomore um and so sort of just waiting to see where he's going to land in the draft and it would be if Walker comes back next year, they're going to be a really good team because their young players the last couple of months have really stepped up. Uh, KJ Simpson, who's a really small guard, has played well. Bartholomew, who's in his second year, has had a couple of good games. Um, they have a few other players that have just like been really impressive the last couple, uh, last couple of weeks, especially. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't beat Arizona again in the Pac-12 tournament. So as you said, they're probably not going to make it. But I had a friend text me and say, would it be more surprising if CU made the tournament this year than it was the year in 2011 where everyone thought they were going to be in the tournament? And the one thing I'll say Mm -hmm. is there's always a chance that the committee looks at the Pac-12 as a better league than the national people do. Um, And that would be the only thing that would let CU in because they're the fourth best team in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12's definitely going to get three so it would be a little less surprising I think than 2011 but I don't I just see there's no way it's going to happen but they'll make the NIT and maybe you'll be watching them in Madison Square Gardens in three weeks dude I I did see someone wearing a Buffs hat the other day just for no reason (laughs) and it always warms my Colorado heart to see um, especially like non Broncos logos, yeah, out here. Um, yeah, that that is great, and yeah, I think you know there are buffs everywhere. And following college basketball, especially with like a school like CU that doesn't have the history, is interesting because you just like get to know these people so well. But it's like you feel like you're kind of in your own little world sometimes. Um, it's not like yeah, I remember one time you said that like as a sports fan, you follow a lot of teams, but the buffs are the only. Um, teams that you refer to as we yes being a CU Buffalo and then yeah just like college basketball because you like actually see these people grow up you know college football is sort of like that but they're only 12 games so it's not you don't get to know the people as well like you know there are players over the years that I've really gotten to know as players really well over their time at CU and get to see them grow up so speaking of a player that hasn't needed to grow up at all right now I wanted to talk for a minute about Jokic's 46-point night uh, to knock off the Pelicans last weekend. Um, I know I texted you Mm. and said, you know, when I turned this game on, they were up six points, and then they got all the technicals, and suddenly they were down, and I was so mad at myself for watching that game. Uh, Do you want to just take us through your thoughts as Nikola Jokic took over that game and had 30 points in the fourth quarter in overtime? Yeah, man, I'm... (sighs) 
like the Nuggets in general have been interesting to watch because, like, especially since last episode, this team looks really good. They, like so many pieces, the bench has really come alive. Um, and in the New Orleans game in particular, but I guess we look at the schedule the last game since the Nuggets have those flashes of just dominating, especially in the second quarter and Jokic being steady. But at this point, like if he closes the half with almost 28 and five, (laughs) you don't look at that as necessarily an amazing performance so far. Um, And with in the New Orleans game, I don't even think he had 20 at the half. Um, but it was just really amazing to see him say, all right, we're not going to lose to the Pelicans tonight. So turning it on in the fourth, I think it was, what, 30 points in the fourth and overtime with uh, several big, like, back-breaking shots. Um, yeah, dude, I on in the Reddit sphere, Nuggets fans, this being the professional underdogs that we are, feels like at any time Joel Embiid's name gets mentioned for anything, let alone as the MVP frontrunner. But you watch that performance by Jokic, and it's it's impossible to consider anybody else being able to do that for any other team, but especially a still hurt, um, not as talented as we would hope um, cast the characters around him. Yeah. Um, it was... It's so nice to know that, okay, when I wake up tomorrow morning, most of the NBA talk is going to be around Jokic to, like, their chagrin almost. Like, he's got to really ball out to get even a little bit of attention, but um, it's impossible to ignore him when he's putting up those splits. Now, 16 of 22 shooting, that's just the amazing thing. He didn't eat 46 points and didn't even take that many shots. Yeah, and I mean, it was, you know, it was so dominant where he was, you know, really, especially at the end of the fourth quarter, because they were behind with less than two minutes left. Like, it was, like, and, and far behind. Like, it looked like the game was over. Like, that that was impressive to me, and it was just so cool, and it was, you never thought they weren't going to win as soon as he, like, turned it on. Like, it, it, it felt like, you know, he could do this, which sort of gives you a chance every night. I do think, you know, Again, like, the schedule is so hard. Like, it was frustrating they lost to the Raptors. I went to the Thunder game at the beginning of March. That was frustrating. Like, they're definitely, with no one else, like, they they just need to hold on to the sixth seed and not fall into the play-in game. Uh, but hopefully they're going to get some people back. I do think, I mean, I think that that game, Jokic is, that game sort of elevated Jokic into the, He's one of the best players, and everyone sort of thinks so. Like, I think that no one is really ignoring Jokic now uh, because of that performance. Yeah. I mean, in the last several games, point totals, 46, 32, 38, 23, 26. Um, Golden State and Toronto, both games that they lost. Um, One pattern that is starting to pop up again, I think right now they're the – number one scoring team in the first half and near the bottom in the second half. That definitely feels like at this point it's the schedule. It's just a brutal stretch where they were pulling off some amazing wins against Sacramento, um, 
Portland, like all of the games were tough fought, even though the competition wasn't great until we get to the Golden State game, the first one that they won. Um, first one this month. I, the fatigue is there. I think I, I think it would be nice to see Jokic and maybe Gordon, a couple other players, get some rest if possible, but it is so tight right now that what I think it was say eleven through three seeds are all closer um than three is to the one seed. Yeah. So it's my optimism is still there. I was banging the table so hard I'm not gonna come here and uh, <laughs> let doubt and worry set in. But I mean it, it's the NBA and it as I was talking about, like I'm watching just more games that even aren't Nuggets games. Mm-hmm. Every team is so talented, and the, the parity is just at another level this year. So uh, I have faith because we do have the best player in the world, and I won't take for granted how good the rest of the league is at this point. Yeah, and I mean, for the Nuggets, it really is just the Timberwolves are one and a half games back. So that's your goal. You just need to stay above them. It would be nice. You know, the Nuggets are only one and a half back from Utah. They're one, they're one or they're two and a half back from Utah, one and a half back from Dallas. So like, there's still an option. Like they could be as high as four if they just go on a tear, but I'm not sure it changes much as long as you stay out of that play in game. Like they're going to be playing, you know, one of Utah, Golden State or Memphis, all of, or Dallas. Those are all going to be hard games. Um, so I think that they need to, you know, just try to stay out of that playing game as much as they can, uh, and see what happens. And I mean, maybe Porter and Murray come back. I mean, we know that without them, you know, winning a, winning a first round series will be a huge, uh, a huge accomplishment again, which is frustrating, but you know, part of the NBA is just getting everybody healthy at the right time. And I mean, as long as Jokic can stay healthy, Hopefully that's going to be next season if it can't be this season. Yeah, I think, yeah, because talking about Murray and Porter coming back, there was an article that Murray is about 50-50 of being able to get back in the regular season. And if those are the odds, they don't give nobody any hope. And Well, and if Porter comes back, it's not not game-changing. Like, we need to stop acting like it is right now because he was healthy for the Phoenix series last year. Yeah, right. And I mean, that's more than anything, I think, for him, it's not the expectations of his talent, but it's just a reminder that he actually does not have a lot of playing experience at this point. Mm-hmm. And so you can't expect after almost missing the entire season, he'll be able to come back and play to the ceiling that we saw at points last season. Yeah, it would be a great piece. Like I don't even know if I'm, I don't even think he would start um, games. I, I think it might be best that he doesn't. So, but if you have a dude who can just drain threes, come off the bench like him and Brent Forbes, that would be a deadly combo around the arc. Um, but yeah, I was like, I'm going into this stretch with all the faith in Jokic. And, you know, I'll say also a big shout-out to Monte Morris. He has played incredibly well and consistently yeah. the last several months. 
And the the Nuggets have a chance if there's a solid two man game. Uh, everyone else has had some ups and downs, but and again, it's my hope comes from the fact that yeah, that's just the way the league is in general. But we have the best player in the world, and so that gives us a chance against any team on any given night. And now with level of playoff experience, I think this team is mentally built for the playoffs wherever they end up. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, it's just nice that we're going to have, you know, we're going to have some playoff basketball. And we're going to need to see, you know, if nothing else, we're going to get to see some playoff Jokic. So I'm excited for that. Um, before we go, let's, uh, I just wanted to update on the abs situation. You went to the Islanders game. How was, how was that experience? Oh, dude, it was so exciting. Well, one, I, yeah, they, New York Islanders, Long Island and New York City are not the same place at all. <laughs> it took a long time to get there. But um, the UBS Arena is a beautiful arena out in Elmont, New York. And the I haven't been to a hockey game in a while. Um, we had just great seats behind, um, well, first period and third period behind the Islanders goalie. So got to see a lot of action. And it was interesting. I mean, like the Avs and Islanders played a week ago in a week before in Denver. But it was interesting just to hear all of the Islanders fans absolutely rabid on a Monday night. <laughs> How kind of just impressed they were with the Avs. Like the Islanders are a mid tier team, haven't had a lot of success lately, and I think are below five hundred. This season, yeah, it felt like a lot. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, they were a team that, you know, has had playoffs success and made the playoffs, but had really been carried by goaltending, and it all kind of just fell off the rails this year. So I'm sure those fans were upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were a couple guys behind us who I was like, oh, they could do a podcast, <laughs> like me and Derek. Um, it sounded like a lot of them were – kind of just enjoying watching one of the best teams play, even mm. if it was against the Islanders. And you could just see the skating and passing that the Avs are able to demonstrate. You it really just stark that, yeah, this is not part of the course. That mm-hmm. They are just that much better than a lot of other teams. It was interesting because I think at one point they had, I think it was, 40 shots on goal to fewer than 20 shots on goal. Uh-huh. And it was still close. Um, I was telling my friend who I went with that every – I've never been to an Avs game where they had a power play and they scored. <laughs> and it it was just feeling like they were playing with their food or something or they just couldn't get it to click. And then at the start of the third period, all of – those amazing plays started to work, and the abs went up 5-1 very quickly. And now about the point where I was like, all right, it is almost two hours back to New York City. It is cold and raining. I have to be up in the morning. We should maybe start moving to try to find a train to leave. And as we're walking out, then we hear the groans that were the abs course turn into cheers as the Islanders started to come back. And I think now at this point, the Avs have lost a few games. Um, 
I think three out of the last five. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, into what you're about to talk about, it is very tough to stay as good as they have been. Um, but truly, it was just so fun to see the level of talent being displayed. Yeah, I mean, they are a team where it's just like if they can stay healthy, you know, they have a chance. Unfortunately, their schedule is just brutal these last two months of the season because they have 15 total games in March and 14 games in April before the playoffs start, and the playoffs start in the end of April. They they really – the NHL did them no favors because they didn't play very many games in October. They didn't play many games in November – and then in December, they had COVID issues, and so the, the schedule just got really crunched. Uh, some of that they made up in February, and then, yeah, just sort of crunched everything. Um, and you're seeing some fatigue. You're seeing some complacency because they've been so good. And then they're having injuries, which is the thing they haven't had all year and the thing that, as with the Nuggets, can derail you. And that's been one of the Avs' problems, especially in the playoffs, is just can they stay healthy? Um, and unfortunately this week we've seen two instances of that, uh, Sammy Gerrard, who has not had a very good season, um, compared to how he has the last couple of years is going to be out at least four weeks. And then Gabe Landeskog Mm -hmm. is going to have knee surgery and probably be out till the playoffs. Now, the only good thing about this situation is that the NHL is weird about how it does the salary cap. And so when you have a guy that's hurt, you can accrue time by putting him on the long-term injured reserve list. And basically, his salary doesn't count as against the salary cap. And so you can basically add that money back in when you're making trades. And so unlike in the NBA where it's like you have to make the contracts work, you have to make the cap space work. And the cap space fluctuates based on how much money is on your roster on any given night. So if if there was ever a time that Landeskog and Gerard were going to be out, now is a good time because they're accruing that money. They're probably going to be able to say they're going to have more money for Landeskog if they really think he's going to be out the rest of the year. And then once the playoffs hit, uh, the salary cap goes away, which is how the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to bring back Nikita Kucherov last year. Yeah. It's, it's what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing with Jack Eichel, instead of having to trade anyone, everyone just seemingly seems to get hurt whenever they need an open roster spot. So, like, unfortunate, like it's unfortunate, and it's I really hope Landis Guy can come back because they're so much better and so much tougher with him in the lineup. Uh, but this is the time where now they're going to have a little more flexibility at the trade deadline, which is coming up in the next couple weeks here. Mm. Yeah, that, it's... Well, one, I was going to ask, what kind of knee surgery can be performed on a person where they can be back within a month or two? That seems so wild to me. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, the six-week knee surgery. So we'll see. We'll see if it happens. They may be being optimistic, um, but I mean, I'm sure Landis Gog will do everything to come back. Uh, and how big of a blow would that be without him? Um, to the Avs' chances in this season that feels like it could be the championship season. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he really is, you know, they have Curtis McDermott, who's their fighter guy, but Landis Gog is really the tough guy. Like, Landis Gog is made for playoff hockey in a way where, like, without him on the ice, it's going to be harder to get 
McKinnon space. Like you're starting to worry about like is Kadri going to put himself in a compromising position again? Uh, Rantanen's going to have to be a lot meaner than he is. Like Rantanen has these moments where he gets very mean, and Landeskog sort of I think is a check on that because that's how Landeskog is. Uh, you start worrying mm. about that with Rantanen, so it just it makes them just a much less physical team because of the way that Landeskog plays. Uh, and they don't, you know, they try to put JT Comfer in that role sometimes, and he's just not that player. Uh, the one, you know, thing you can say about their defense is they just don't have that guy on the defense anymore. Like, Jack Johnson's not, like, talented enough anymore. You know, they don't have an Ian Cole, like, who's having a very good year. Uh, so it just it makes them uh, a little less dynamic. It doesn't take away the skill, but, you know, in the playoffs, especially because the refs uh, stopped calling penalties, like, they need a Landeskog there. Uh, it's not as bad as if they were losing McCarr or McKinnon. Like, those are your two that you just don't feel like you can lose, but it's probably the third worst player you could lose for the playoffs, other than the goaltending. Mm, yeah. So. Ah. But hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we'll have some exciting prospects uh, or trade deadline people to at least talk about. So there's still hope. There's still the Stanley Cup favorites. Like that hasn't gone away. Staying healthy is just the hardest part of the NHL. And even the old Avs teams, like part of the reason that they didn't win more Stanley Cups is that, you know, Sackick and Forsberg would get hurt in off years and it would really, you know, hurt their ability to compete in the playoffs. So I'm yeah. still very excited about the prospects, but we just need to hope that everybody stays healthy here. Well, cool, cool. In the final stretch, this is one of the most exciting parts of the non-NFL sports schedule. And it's just nice to go in with, even if there's anxiety around injuries, excitement around the possibilities. Yeah, exactly. So I think that does it for the Denver's this week. Um, I'm Derek. <laughs> I'm Quinn, and I'm laughing at the fact that baseball is back and we didn't think to talk yeah, about it at all. <laughs> I, I thought about it for a second, and then I was like, nope, we're uh, we're going to skip that one this week. So, <laughs> Well, this has been the Denver's. As always, great to chop it up, and go Denver, y'all. Yeah, go Denver. See you soon. <laughs>